I find that they impact each other. I'm sometimes willing to spend my time doing a lot of extra work because I want a lot of money. Mm. And sometimes more money than I actually need for living a faithful, fruitful life for God. I don't just need to feel better. I need the truth. And ultimately, that will make me better. I just want to make it as totally simple and no-brainer as possible for ladies to see that the Bible is really applicable to their everyday life. When they understand theology, the application flows out of it quickly with joy. It is a journey, but even the journey itself is joyful when I'm doing it, holding the hand of my Savior and trusting Him all along the way. This is the Joyful Journey Podcast a podcast to inspire and equip women to passionately pursue beautiful biblical truth on their journey as women of God. When you choose truth, you're choosing joy. Well, welcome back. This is Janet back again with my lovely co-host Jocelyn. Hi, friends. And today Jocelyn is going to be talking with us about a subject we all love almost as much as talking about taxes, which would be, let's talk about our time and our money. Let's. <laughs> so Janet, how's your grocery bill been going these days? I mean, I thought this was going to be fun. Um, <laughs> let's just say that we've gone from three people in the house to two, but there's been no change in my budget right now. Oh. <laughs> so how was it the last time you filled your gas tank? <laughs> Is painful an appropriate response? Do you want to hear something funny? <laughs> oh, please. Yesterday, I drove my daughter to work, and the gas was a certain amount. And when I picked her up eight hours later, it was 20 cents more yes. at the same gas station. <laughs> and you waited to get it till then? No, no, I was good. But oh, I good, just good, good. I was just noticing. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you enjoy your sleep last night? Actually, not badly. I slept pretty well. Brent knows that if I have heavy conversations and we talk through issues right before bed, my mind will race. So he's pretty good at trying not to discuss heavy things late at night. <laughs> Laying in bed. So did you get everything done last week that you had planned? <laughs> I, know, I feel like that's a trick question. Either I didn't plan enough or there's more to do and it didn't all get done. Like that's a cruel question to ask. But okay, no. All right. No. Uh, okay. You know, I wrote that question not even knowing what your week was like. I just assumed what it might have been like. <laughs> And you know what? We're not here to make any political statements. Goodness knows we don't need any more of that. Right. And that's not the purpose of this podcast, thankfully. Praise God. Praise God. We can talk about something non-controversial <laughs> like Jesus. <laughs> At the very moment that we're recording this episode, we're all feeling the financial squeeze, maybe yes. a little bit more than we have in the past for a bunch of reasons. Just It's just the reality. But, you know, it may look like... 2022, but it's not a new condition or anything. It's not like yep. suddenly there's limits on time and money. It just highlights what is true. Yep. There are limits to the amount of money that's available for us to use. Yep. And you think about, you know, for me, I'm in a new season of life where I thought, honestly, that there would be extra time and money. I'm now an empty nester. There's only two of us, not four. But I still find that, especially with time and lately since we had a car die unexpectedly, also with money, <laughs> um, stuff runs out. Mm. <laughs> it does run out. Then we get up the next day and face the same exact challenges over and over and over. And then one day we die. <laughs> Isn't that positive and encouraging? Wow. I wow. know. I'm so Come glad. here for more hope. <laughs> but in reality, it's good for us to take a look at how we relate to a couple of things that are finite 
Yeah. And then draw our eyes away from those finite things that we it's good to look at and see how they relate to our infinite God. Well, that's already intriguing. Anything that's going to lead me to focus on my infinite God has got to be good. Yeah. So let's dive in by first talking about the concept of money. And we're going to just start off by stating some obvious things. Money is a finite resource, even for those that God has blessed with really great wealth. Yes. It's a finite resource. Eventually you run out. You have to make decisions about what not to get because eventually there's not more available money. The first thing I want to just point out too regarding money is that it's a construct that was created by society to acquire what we need to accomplish goals. So in and of itself, it's not evil. It's just a tool. It's like a piece of paper or a coin that your government has told you is worth so much value. And then you use that to buy goods or services with a comparable value. Or if you're super cheap like us, you try to get as much goods and services as you can <laughs> for the least amount of value. Absolutely. I'm very proud of it. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. I could do an episode on that. So you get that money by doing some activity that someone decided was worth the value of that service or work. And so you could ask yourself, so who owns the money? Does your job own the money and they just give it to you when you give them something they want? Or does the government own all the money and they authorize who can use it? I mean, it's kind of theoretical questions, but they're important just to think about. And really, you could take a macroeconomics class. And, I, I don't really you know, want to. I don't really want to either. <laughs> but if you wanted to, you could. <laughs> We're going to look at what the Bible says about this. Because I'd rather. It, it's important to understand one big thing about money. And that is that God owns all of it. Yes. The accumulated value of all the money in the entire world and all of the resources of the world that could produce more money, they all belong to God. I really love Psalm 24, 1 and 2. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all of its people belong to him. For he laid the earth's foundations on the seas and built it on the ocean depths. So ultimately, it's not good or bad. It's just essentially money is an amoral tool. It doesn't have any yeah. inherent morality to it. It's just a tool. What really becomes the issue is how we handle it. And if you look at that topic of money in the Bible, God really has a ton to say about it, yeah. second only to the topic of love, which you know is the point of God. <laughs> he made all of this so that he could love us and we could love him back. The second thing he talks about is money. Which is crazy. I know. So it says a lot to how important it is in right. God's eyes. So basically, at this point, we realize money is finite. Money is a tool that is given to us by God. And how we use it, I'm going to say, actually reveals what we love and ties yeah. into the biggest section of Scripture. Exactly. Isn't that cool? So we're going to look at three main passages of Scripture that are characteristic of how God would want us to use this finite, amoral tool, money. I mean, we're going to look at Matthew 6, 1 Timothy 6, and then Luke 16. So I'm just going to jump right into Matthew 6. And this passage tells us how to begin thinking about money, this finite, amoral tool. We're not going to read the whole passage because I really want to have an overview today instead of an inductive study. Yeah. But I'm going to highlight a couple of points from it. First of all, Jesus himself in the Sermon on the Mount tells us that those who he's called into his kingdom will remember that the eternal kingdom of God is the focus. And because of that, we shouldn't spend our energy, our earthly tools, building up treasure here on earth. Why? Because the kingdom of heaven is an eternal kingdom with an immovable value system that doesn't decay 
But the treasures that you find on earth fluctuate in value, like everything we're seeing right now. And eventually they even fall apart and decay. Or someone else might think they're valuable enough to steal and then you'll have to deal with people robbing you of them. So secondly, Jesus tells us that what we treasure and value will direct our heart and eyes. And what you have decided to love will tell you what to think about and what to desire, how to be motivated, and even what to like stare at obsessively, longingly. <laughs> and Jesus tells us in that passage, you cannot be devoted to two different masters. Yeah. If money is what you gaze upon with affection, then you're going to serve it. You're going to obey it. It's going to be what you think about. And, and nobody wants to think they're obeying their money. No. That's, but we are. We are. And you're obeying your love for it. You're going to acquire as much as possible. And this is what's kind of tricky through any means possible. Yeah. So you're going to be willing to do things that are not necessarily righteous. If Jesus and his kingdom is what you gaze upon with affection, then you're going to serve him. You're going to obey him because you want to help advance his kingdom. You'll make decisions to be the slave of the thing you're worshiping. It really comes down to which you value most, which is hilarious when you think about money tying into what you value. Right. It's just, you know, the value of money or it shows you what you value. It's crazy. Jesus tells us that what we think about, possibly even obsess or worry about, is going to be tied inherently to the kingdom that we're worshiping. So if money is our God and we worship it, we're going to obsess about all the things that money can buy and we're going to worry about what will happen if we run out of the tool that we use to buy the stuff. But if Jesus is our God and we worship him, we'll trust him to provide for us what we need to accomplish his kingdom goals. And Jesus tells us that the way we use money should increase our trust in our Father's provision for us. As we seek the kingdom of God and his goals, we are going to live righteously because we trust that God is giving us everything we need for our time here on earth. Yeah. So ultimately, again, Jesus views money as this tool, Mm -hmm. and it is a good gift. It was designed to help us accomplish his kingdom goals. It has a good goal but it can hinder me from accomplishing his goals as well. As I was thinking about that, you know, I think a lot of times we might think, well, that's not me. I don't covet to have more millions of dollars. But sometimes I think we can even tie in how much I think I'm valued Mm -hmm. by how much people give me. Yes. And so even that, I'm valuing money because I'm saying money is showing my value. Exactly. I remember having a conversation with you like nine years ago when I first started staying home with the kids full time, where I felt like I didn't understand my purpose and identity anymore because I didn't make a paycheck. Yes. And you, it was so helpful because you were like, Jocelyn, not only the job that pays are the ones that are important. There's all sorts of jobs that you'll never make a paycheck that are vitally important to the working out of God's kingdom goals here on earth. And right now it happens to be with your family. It was super important. So we're going to look at how Paul explains in 1 Timothy 6, 5 through 10, that the love of money actually sometimes causes people to do evil things, which is sad to think about. In fact, Paul accuses some people of doing shows of godliness for the simple reason of becoming wealthy, which is funny because. I would never think of that being a possibility, but we do see that in the prosperity gospel. Right. You know, I know. Normally, of, godliness doesn't equal no, give me money. No, but, but I can see but how- false godliness can. Exactly. So the thing that they weren't realizing is that, like Paul said, godliness with contentment 
is in and of itself a great mm. wealth. Isn't that so mm. cool? That's the wealth we want. Yeah, I want to be rich in contentment. I want to be rich in godliness. And then Paul goes on to say that sometimes people who long to be rich end up falling <laughs> into temptations and are trapped by their foolish and harmful desires and they end up ruined and destroyed. So the love of money actually even caused some to wander away from the true faith, which oh, I just can't even imagine. That's the opposite of Jesus's kingdom goals. Yeah, Faithfulness so, is the goal. Right. And money is a valuable tool that can accomplish those goals when we get to, with a privilege of doing this, invest in eternally important things and then money actually becomes another way that I get to increase my trust in God. I'm not trusting in my money. I'm using my money for other things, and I'm trusting in God. But in the process of all of that, I need to be humbly aware that I've got to be careful, yeah. or I'll fall in love with it, yeah. and it will tempt me away from faithfulness and toward evil, which early on, I think I would tell you I'd never do that, but I've got to be aware. Yeah. Like you said, sometimes we can even use money to define ourselves, which yeah. would be evil, even yes. though it seems kind of innocuous. Like if you allow your value to be wrapped up in how much money you have, that is an evil thing. Yes. Because God says we are valuable because he loves us, not because of, you know, whatever kind of budget we're living with, which is not the way the world works. Right. Scripture also tells us that what God wants us to do is to take what we've been given and handle it shrewdly. So we're not supposed to push away money like some ascetic who lives an austere, simple life and denies himself material satisfaction because that gives them some sort of elevated right. religious status. That's also a wrong view of money and an right. evil way to practice using it. Instead, if God owns all the money and the resources of the entire universe, he wants us to use those as a tool that we handle like stewards. Yeah. And a steward uses something that is owned by someone else to advance the goals of the person who owns it, which is you know, drastically different way to think about money. Right. And that steward is going to end up having accountability. They have to answer to the owner that gave them the money to use to make sure that they use that stuff for the purposes that he had set it apart for. And you said in the beginning, God owns it all. Yeah. So we're going to answer to God for how we use money, no matter how I got it. Mm hmm. It's really from God. Mm -hmm. yeah. No matter how much we have, yep. it is from God. And he expects us to use it shrewdly as if we are going to be accountable for our, the way that we use it. Luke 16 tells the story of the shrewd manager serving his master. And the listeners are exhorted to be shrewd like that, using our worldly resources to benefit other people. And the implication there is that as you're faithful in small things, your faithfulness as a virtue and a reflection of Jesus is going to grow, yeah. which is so cool. And you may end up being entrusted with more worldly resources, but that's not the point. Right. The point is the way we function around worldly wealth shows whether we're trustworthy with the true riches of heaven that are promised to the citizens of Jesus's kingdom. So that story ends with the admonition that you can't serve God and be a slave to money, just like Matthew 6. Right. Yeah, because when you're a slave to money, you end up being willing to do all kinds of things, cheating, robbing, defrauding people, ultimately because if you are a slave to money, they have what you want. Mm -hmm. And who's going to worry about a little thing like, is that right or wrong <laughs> to keep me from getting what I want? And I was thinking about just implications. We would go, well, I've never break into Jocelyn's house and take all of her money. How do I handle my taxes yeah. with integrity? Mm -hmm. How do I handle when someone undercharges me and I see it? Mm -hmm. Am I willing to say, I love money, so I'm going to take this? And you one know? of the things that's interesting is you can say, I don't love money because I'm not rich and I don't spend it frivolously. 
you can still oh. love money while you're cutting coupons and going to the discount store yes. and spending inordinate amounts of time in an ungodly way, yes. just saving a buck. I have struggled with, we are frugal. We were even more so when we got married and had much less. Mm-hmm. It would cause me to be tempted because I'm trying to be frugal with God's money. And so it starts out in a right thing. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes, how little can I pay yeah. my babysitter? Yeah, yeah. So that I can save money. How mm-hmm. little can I tip my waitress so I can save money? And ultimately, I was convicted. And the, the phrase that went through my head was frugal with myself, generous with others. Oh, I was, that's beautiful. Because that's what I was thinking is like frugality still has to be held in balance with generosity. Yes. So frugal with me, generous with you. And, being, and I have to remember that. Being cheap is not the goal. No. Being generous is the goal. But yeah, that's a great. You can even see in Ephesians 4.28 that one of the pieces of evidence that your mind has been changed about money is that you stop stealing and you start working hard with your hands to do work for this reason, so that you can give generously to those who are in need. So one of the ways that we can tell we think God's thoughts about money is when we're generous with it and we're generous with how we use it. Because it's just a tool meant to be used to reflect who God is. And he is generosity itself. He is accomplishing generous kingdom purposes. And he does it generously. Yeah. And I really believe when I'm choosing generosity, and sometimes it's a choice because in the moment there's the, uh, maybe I need this later. That really frees me from that enslavement. That is a great way to help break the grip of money on you Mm. is to make it part of your joy. We budget to give. Mm -hmm. And then, and we were just talking with this new car that Mm -hmm. we didn't anticipate. Okay. What do we need to change in our budget? And the last thing we want to change is our giving. Mm -hmm. So what do we need to change? Right. How else can you And not our giving. Yeah. And I think that's another way to break that Mm -hmm. bond. So I'll budget. I'll plan how to spend God's money because he's trusted me with it and he wants me to spend it for him. And his purposes. So when I'm budgeting, which I personally absolutely love to do, I love budgeting. I love being the CFO of our family. I can get my mind off of the focus of this is God's money. He trusts us to spend it. And I can do what you talk about. Like I can say, oh my word, babe, look how much we have in savings. Like we have special things that we like to do just like everyone else. And if I can make our groceries cost even less then we can tuck away even more. Yes. But that's not why we budget. Ultimately, we're not budgeting just so that we can be selfish. We're budgeting because this is God's money. He trusts me to spend it the way he wants to. And sometimes that includes the lovely, generous things that our family does. Yep. But the whole thing is that we're reminding ourselves that money is an important tool for establishing God's kingdom. And he wants us to be careful with the way that we spend it, including the way that we use credit or loans, not because it's in general a bad practice or something, but because God warns to not get out of hand with that in the scripture. So we're careful with that because God says to be careful with it. But at the same time, I'm going to practice being really generous and lending to those who might need it and not charging them extra fees, not ripping them off. And like you said, Sometimes when the need is appropriate, we give it away. Yeah. We give a lot of our money away to a lot of ministries that we think are really essential for the kingdom of God. And that's an investment. It is. We're investing in eternally important kingdom progress. And part of that's going to be prioritizing giving to the church Mm -hmm. because I know 
you, we've already said it's all God's money anyway. And I know that God has said he plans to work his plan through the church. So I'm going to help fund the work of the Lord in the body of Christ. Exactly. I'm going to be looking for ways to give above and beyond regular giving mm-hmm. so that I can, again, and I learned early on, I remember a woman back in my church in Florida who had said she would get frustrated when extra needs would come up at church because they, they couldn't always help mm. until they learned to budget that. Yeah. And so we have that. That was such helpful. I want to be ready when someone has a need yep. that we've budgeted to do that. And I'm not going to live right up to my limit. I'm mm-hmm. going to save for the future so that my kids are not saying, mm-hmm. mom doesn't have money now. Mm-hmm. We have to take care of her. And I want to be ready to be able to give to others. All of that because it's a finite tool that an infinite God wants to use to reflect his generous character to his people and to redeem for himself a bride to bless for all of eternity in his heavenly kingdom. If I believe those basic truths about money, then they affect how I use it day to day. I don't spend it extravagantly on things that don't matter for the long run, but I'm also not so stingy with it that needs aren't met. I am focused on being both generous and also disciplined. And it's going to be anyone listening to this who haven't thought about this area before, that could be very overwhelming. Mm-hmm. I got to be Jansica, but we're going to take steps toward that. Right. It's gross. Knowing our Savior is going to help us each step of the way. But I love that when I'm able to think in a principled way, I will over time continue to make better and better decisions. Mm-hmm. Hi, friends of Joyful Journey. Faith Ministries is committed to the sufficiency of Scripture to help us grow. I find that while many agree with that, They lack confidence in applying the Word of God in their own lives and certainly in helping the hurting women around them. That's why I'm so thankful for all the ways faith offers training to be more equipped. This training brought me to Indiana and changed my life. Each February, faith hosts a biblical counseling training conference in Indiana, where about 2,000 people from all over the world come for a week of intensive equipping. The foundational track is for all who are new to learning and many other tracks are available as well as a women's track that is new each year. For those who can't get away for a week, it's also live-streamed with 30 days to watch the sessions. And for those who can't participate in February, the sessions are offered virtually three other times in the year on Friday nights and Saturdays. I highly recommend this for your own growth and to help you as you seek to love others well, too. You can go to faithlafayette.org conferences for more details, and we'll also link that in our show notes. So the second finite resource we're going to talk about today is time. Why talk about anything easy today? Time (laughs) and money. (laughs) And to be honest, the more I think about how finite time is, the more I really worship my infinite God. I feel super limited in my ability to get stuff done. I'm always running into the next thing on my schedule. So, and it's not like I schedule buffer time. It's like literally I'm running into (laughs) the next thing on my schedule. Or... I am conversely overwhelmed by a stupid desire to be lazy, and I just be like, whatever, doesn't matter. Anyways, it's all messed up, and I just let they're my not sc- paying me. <laughs> I, I just let my schedule get ruined because I don't feel like moving on to the next thing. Because just because I scheduled it at some point when I had principles and I was orderly doesn't mean I have to do it. <laughs> but I also feel the squeeze of getting super tired and realizing, hey you know what? That's it. That's all I can do today. And then I have to think through, okay, do I stay up later? Which means I won't be able to get up tomorrow, which means I won't get everything done tomorrow. So it's just, you know, 
the more I think about time, the more I'm like, oh God, you're so infinite. Yes. You know, so much bigger than time and ugh, I'm so limited by it. So I'm going to start off again by stating the obvious. Time is a finite resource. Not a single person has more than 24 hours in a day. Yep. And all of us need to sleep, at least for a portion of those hours. So here's how time is unlike money. Money is a resource created by people. Time is a resource that was created by God back in Genesis. Genesis 1, 14 through 19 tells us that God created the stars and the planets of the heavens to separate the day from the night. And he did that so that we would have signs and seasons and days and years. So time is just a measure of duration or how long something lasts. And what's amazing is God exists outside of that. He that, exists, that blows my mind. I know. It, he exists outside of time. He exists outside of space. But we exist within it, at yep. least during our time on earth. God is spirit. He's not constrained by time or space, but we are living within both of those, at least for now. And secondly, we get money by working and you get time by being created. <laughs> time is not a human construct. It is God's. Your time on earth began the moment of your conception. Yeah. Isn't that cool? And then you exist within time and space as your creator desires until either you die or you get graduated into heaven when Jesus returns. Yeah. Like money, God owns all of it. Psalm 3115 is a cool verse that reminds us that our time is in God's hands. None of the minutes of our life occurs outside of his sovereign plan. And ultimately, time isn't either good or bad. It's essentially the same. It's an amoral tool. It's just a measure of duration. It's how you handle that tool that really matters. Yeah. And like we said about money, God has a ton to say about time. Yeah. And we've been given this gift of limited time. And when we're intentional, because we realize that, mm -hmm. and I see that it's finite, that doesn't need to be depressing. It can just help me spend more of it in ways that are going to actually matter mm -hmm. beyond time. Oh, yeah. It's amazing to think that I can spend my limited time in a way that could have an impact on eternity, That's on something so cool. beyond time. Beyond time. That's so cool. So let's start by reminding ourselves what Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount, as we see in Matthew 6 through 8. In that sermon, he's telling people how they would function as citizens of his kingdom and his kingdom that is eternal. It transcends time. It's really helpful to remember God's eternal kingdom and the scope and breadth when we take into account our own lives, because you know what I'm not? I'm not eternal. No way. I know. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> I have a birthday. In 1975, I was created when God allowed for my conception. And then 45 years ago, on New Year's Eve, the best day to have a birthday because the entire <laughs> world celebrates with you, my mom was in the hospital bringing me into this world. And do you know what else is going to happen? In all likelihood, unless Jesus comes back first to take me home to be with him in heaven, which I hope happens, there will be a day that my body gets tired and yep. sick enough and it's going to stop functioning and I'm going to die. And James 4.14 tells me that compared to the eternality of God's kingdom, our life is like a mist, like a vapor, here for a little while and then poof, vanishes. Yep. And compared to the longness of eternity, our lifespan, which if you lived 80 or 90 or 100 years, it could feel kind of long. Like, right. You know, that's a century. That's long. Compared to the longness of eternity, our lifespan is actually really short. Yep. And you could have very full 80, 90, or 100 years, but they're really short and really important 
a lot of good for God's kingdom can be done in those comparatively short years. That's why in Psalm 90, 12, Moses prays, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And I love Ecclesiastes 3.11. It tells us God, God himself set eternity in our hearts. We know that there is more to living than just our lives. Yeah. It makes me think about when you're saying we could live 80, 90, 100 years, even if they're really full. I still remember when my mom was dying and Pastor Byers called me. Mm. And I can remember saying to him, it doesn't matter how long you live or how amazing your life may have been or full. If this is all there is, it's not worth it. Mm -hmm. And to know that God has put eternity in our hearts. This is not all there is. So I don't need to be selfish with my time Mm -hmm. here. I've got all of eternity. Then I can remember, okay, right now I have this gift, this designed by God to be a good gift of time that amazingly, he says, I can accomplish a lot of good for him Mm -hmm. and his kingdom with his help using this time. Yeah. And then there are a lot of scriptures that point to the urgency of living our lives with purpose. Yep. And it's good for us to think about the brevity of life. It was good for me to think about that. I was with my mom mm-hmm. and it didn't really matter how long we lived. But Psalm 39, verse four and five, O Lord, make me know my end. And what is the measure of my days? Let me know how fleeting I am. Behold, you've made my days a few hand breaths, and my lifetime is as nothing before mm-hmm. you. Surely all mankind stands as a mere breath. Yeah. And that's not depressing mm. because this life isn't all there is. Yeah. And to think that he says, my breath can matter. This mm. mere breath yeah. can matter. John 9, 4 says, we must work the works of him who sent me while it's day. Night's coming when no one can work. Right. And because of all that, we have to agree with Paul in Ephesians five fifteen through 17, where he says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. So those passages just seem to scream with the urgency to use yourself up about the things that are important. Use yourself up. But at the end of that passage, you have to see it ends with this. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So according to God's word, it's possible to be foolish in our application of how we use our time, even when we're trying to do good stuff with it. So it's really important to remember, we don't want to just live frantic lives. We want to live wisely. So we might think then, let's use every second of this finite resource of time to accomplish infinitely valuable things for God and his kingdom. And then you live in ungodly, unbalanced uses of the actual time of your days. And by that, I mean like, living in a way that doesn't follow God's example of resting. so Which again, is almost like I'm trying to be infinite and not finite myself. Exactly. So our work ethic was created in our own image, not in the image of God. He used six days of creation to accomplish work, and then he stopped his work and Sabbath for one day of the week. And we have to remember, it's not like God did anything when he created the world. He opened his mouth and spoke. Right. So it's not like he was tired at the end of six days, but he made that... It was an example that, for us. Right. He established that pattern for yeah. us. So sometimes we think, oh, yeah, okay, cool, whatever. I like God's example, but I'm going to do it my own way. I don't need the rest. Yeah, I don't need rest. Who needs to sleep? Come on. I'll rest in heaven. <laughs> Someone once told me that, and I was like, oh, please. <laughs> we attempt to work every second of every day without God honoring rest. And for us, for humans, we have to understand that rest is an acknowledgement of our finiteness. Yeah, and it's a reminder that I don't have to. I can rest because God is infinite. Mm -hmm. I can rest because God doesn't stop working. 
I don't have unlimited reserves of strength. I mean, it really is fascinating to me that God created us where a third of our lives would be spent sleeping. It seems like so he didn't wasteful. have to do that. I know. But that's apparently important because mm-hmm. he could have made it to where our bodies replenished another way. But do you think we would have needed to, like, we wouldn't have recognized that we needed Jesus to keep working while exactly. we were sleeping and keep us safe and keep the world working in order? Exactly. So our finiteness, our weakness, our need for rest is part of God's good plan. Mm -hmm. So just like I feel like everything else that we talk about, like the opposite ditch is I don't want to work heartily for the Lord for six (laughs) days and rest for one. I'd prefer to rest for several of those days and space out my work so I don't become weighed down by it or overwhelmed by it or burdened by it. So in the same token, like you could be overscheduling your time. You could also underschedule your time and not fill it with productive, fruitful tasks. And that's also not a representation of God's character and his heart for his people. And we can see in lots of passages, but one example of one is Proverbs 6. God hates laziness, and he warns us that if we're lazy, we're going to become poor. And not just in the money way, in lots of ways. Right, right. So just like with money, if I have a right theology of time, Again, I'm going to just be intentional. Mm -hmm. I'm going to plan how I'm going to spend it. That's going to include work that I know I've reason to believe based on the scripture is going to be good for the kingdom. Mm -hmm. It'll be a blessing to others. It'll be a blessing to me when I live that way. And that's going to include resting. God talks so much about the importance of planning out how we accomplish things. And that planning is another way I reflect his Mm -hmm. character. I don't just do the next frantic thing. I plan. Mm -hmm. He planned the entire concept of creation and redemption Mm -hmm. before he created the very first thing. That blows my mind. That is. I'm not going to overschedule time or underschedule time, but it also means that I have to learn to schedule my time to be able to handle things that are unschedulable. <laughs> I learned this from you, actually, because when I was trying to figure out how to be a stay-at-home wife and mom, you were like, you can't schedule every minute of your day. Somebody has to drive the car to the mechanic when it breaks down, and it's probably not going to be your husband. <laughs> so you have to have time for like emergencies or trips to take the car into the sick child yeah emergency room visits or serving someone else in time of need so part of how you have to schedule your day is to literally schedule free time margin yeah because you have to have time to meet pressing needs when they pop up and i think that's just another when doing that i believe is another way of acknowledging i'm not god Mm -hmm. if i could control everything i could schedule my life to a t Mm -hmm. And never have to worry about it. And nothing would overlap. But because not only am I not perfect in my thinking, I'm not powerful, I'm not in control, I'm not God, I have to humbly say, I need margin for the things I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Titus 3.14 tells us that we're supposed to devote ourselves to good works for this reason, in order to meet the pressing needs of others so that they will not be unfruitful. It's just important to realize part of godly scheduling is scheduling margin time, just like you said. There's got to be time that's not scheduled to meet the needs that will pop up through the week because there's never going to be a week where needs don't pop up. Right. And I've had weeks where needs popped up and I couldn't meet them. Mm -hmm. And I can't always. But I know that I don't want to schedule so that I'm unable to ever do that. If you're hyper-scheduled, you'll always have to say no. Right. So one of the reasons that I wanted to address these two topics together is that they're both finite resources. They're both just tools, finite, amoral tools that can be used to produce infinite, eternally valuable results for God and his kingdom. And another reason I wanted to address them together is that I find that they impact each other. I'm sometimes willing to spend my time doing a lot of extra work because I want 
a lot of money Mm. and sometimes more money than I actually need for living a faithful, fruitful life for God. I don't know if this is still the tag phrase that it used to be, but like the whole YOLO tag phrase, like you only live once, so work real hard so you can make a bunch of money so you can go have amazing adventures. But also sometimes I'm willing to spend a lot of money to spend my time the way I want. Sometimes it's more rest than I need to be productive for God's kingdom. So they impact each other. And I really think our theology of each individually will impact how we spend both of them and how we invest both of them. They're also really good and helpful windows into our understanding of what our experience on earth is supposed to be about. God tells us he created us for him. And our greatest happiness is produced as redeemed citizens of his eternal kingdom. And so the way I use my time and money here on earth is a reflection of whether I value that as much as God says. There are a lot of other things that we're not talking about because we both have schedules and stuff to do today. (laughs) And no one listens to a three-hour episode. They don't have time. (laughs) But there's going to be a lot of other things that impact your overall theology of time and money like this. Like your work ethic is a matter of theology. How you work, why you work, the way that you work. Future podcast. Right. Yeah, we'll talk about that someday. I love talking about work. But you could also talk about like theology of relationships because sometimes people don't invest in relationships or their family because they believe they're less important than the eternally important kingdom work that God wants them to do through their church. So, you know, there's just lots of other things. We don't have time to talk about all of them today. No. And while we could do that, I think if we could apply our theology of time and money, it's actually going to bring all of those other Mm -hmm. things to bear as well. I think so, too. I think something that would be super fun and honestly quite helpful for both of us as we close our time together today would be to talk about God and how he relates to both time and money. So let's start with the first concept, the first concept of time. Psalm 92 tells us, before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. That just blows my mind to comprehend that God is eternal and has always existed like Genesis 1-1 starts with God doing stuff, right? and Revelation ends with, and then we go on to eternity with the very same God. And I, my mind is like, if you told me a million years, I feel like I can at least think about yeah. that. I don't know how to think never end. Or never started. Right. Always was. Right. So I think some of our struggles with time and understanding our relationship to it really does just highlight God is not like us. Mm-hmm. He is amazing. Mm-hmm. He is other. He is set apart. And I really can't fathom that. He doesn't struggle to run out of time. Mm-hmm. He never uses it unwisely. He doesn't get tired. That's lovely. I know. He's working even when I'm sleeping. Yes. He never has to go to bed. And I know even when my kids were little, and I'll think about this sometimes when I'm thinking about so many things, it's like, you know what? God is awake so I can sleep. Mm. That's so cool. He never lays awake with insomnia so I can go to bed. And maybe not have so much insomnia because when I don't sleep, I struggle to function. Mm -hmm. He's above and outside all of that. And within that eternality, he is also omniscient, which means he knows all things. And if you take that to the nth degree, like I sometimes try to do in my baby sized brain, I just go into overdrive thinking like not only is he existent through eternity, but his omniscience is existent through eternity. And that means he already knows what will happen in the future because he's already seen it happen. Yes. He exists outside of our concept of time. He knows all things, past, present, and future. And this is the part that I love spending time thinking about. 
he knows every version of what could happen with every one of the choices he could possibly make. And that's why he chose the specific version of reality he has chosen for us to experience because it produces the one and only result he sovereignly knew was best for his eternal purposes. That just doesn't it just make you like, ugh, rest yes. into him? Like, yes. you weren't thrown off. You weren't surprised. You saw all the other options, and this is the one you chose. Yes, this is what's best. Yes. And knowing that gives us hope. What's painful is that includes a lot of really hard things, yeah. and we won't always see this side of heaven. Mm-hmm. We won't always see what all those purposes were in this lifetime. But here's what we know. What did you say earlier? This life is so short. Mm-hmm. And we have all eternity in the kingdom of heaven where we will understand. Yeah. As God is our creator, he is the owner of all the resources of the earth, and he's not limited by need. He doesn't run out of ability to provide. His bank account is never in the red. <laughs> all of the resources of the earth and every invisible created resource is at his disposal. He has infinite ability to meet needs. And then add to that that he has hesed love. If you don't know what I mean by that, there's two podcasts on that. But he delights to meet our needs. That's his love. Yeah. And he owns it all, including all time and all money. So, yes, we're accountable to him about how we use those things. Mm -hmm. So as we think about our finite resources, time and money that are used in living in God's kingdom eternally, but also in helping to bring about it here on earth to the degree that we're able to, it's helpful to reflect on the God who gave us those tools and the mission itself. It also helps us as we decide how we're going to use both of them. Are we spending the money that belongs to God accomplishing the mission of God? Are we spending the time that God owns accomplishing the mission of God? And I just want to say as we're closing this, because that is exactly right. And it's so much more complicated than that sounds, Mm -hmm. you know. And so I would just say to anybody listening, we just need to expect we're in a sin-cursed world. Sin will complicate things. And the entire world around us thinks about this differently. Yes. And you're going to be hearing the opposite message from everyone who is not a believer. So we're not purposely trying to oversimplify something and say, oh, you should be able to just figure this out, no problem. These are the basics. Right. And the application of this will take the wisdom that God promises to those who ask for it. As I was thinking through this, it was like, okay, on the one hand, I know I'm not always going to want to steward my time and money well. I get that. Here's what I think can be more confusing. There are going to be times when I want to steward my time or money well, and I still don't know what Mm -hmm. to do, and I still don't know what's best. Mm -hmm. And I think in those moments, if I've been building a habit of at least wanting to steward it well, that will help. And then I think, run to my Savior. Mm -hmm. I'm thankful that I have a Savior. I seek His guidance. I can take small steps of change. I don't have to be overwhelmed, and I can know He's going to walk it with me. Excellent. We have some resources we're going to recommend in our show notes, but I'm going to just throw some titles out there for you to think about. Randy Alcorn has two really great books on money, Managing God's Money and Money, Possessions, and Eternity, which are going to talk very much about what we talked about today. Paul David Tripp has a book called Redeeming Money, and then Jim Neuheiser has a book called Money, Debt, and Finances. When you think about the time component, Kevin DeYoung has an awesome little skinny book called Crazy Busy. Yeah. Super helpful. And then there's a couple of great booklets, Shopping for Time, and then two booklets that were really helpful for me as I processed staying home full time and just, you know, processing my professional work life. And two bookouts, Burned Out, 
by Winston Smith and then Burnout by Brad Hamrick. They were really helpful. And then there's mm. also a book called Procrastination that would be helpful if that's what you struggle with. Yeah. There's a kid's book called The Best Thing to Do. Oh, I like that kids' talk, books. That talks about this topic too. So if, if you have kiddos or grandkids, that would be a great book for you to invest in. Excellent. So I think this has been hopeful, helpful, giving us things to think about. And, and short. And short. <laughs> we'll see how short this is. Uh, shorter than normal. That's true. Shorter than normal. So thank you, Jocelyn, for leading us in that. And for those of you listening, I hope that this will be an encouragement to you. Check out the links and come back for our next episode while we enjoy the journey together. To keep from missing any future episodes, please sign up for our newsletter on our webpage joyfuljourneypod.com. From there, you can also subscribe to this podcast on Apple, Google, or Spotify. You can also visit us on our Facebook page or Instagram at Joyful Journey Podcast. If you have any questions or comments for us, you can also email us at joyfuljourneyquestions at outlook.com. Joyful Journey Podcast is a ministry of Faith Bible Seminary. All proceeds go to offset costs of this podcast and toward scholarships for women to receive their MABC through Faith Bible Seminary.